the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with Renee Paquette. This is where we mash up the best of the week. We take our interviews from Tuesday and Thursday, what those episodes were. We take those highlights. We put them together all here in one convenient place for your listening pleasure. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy what we've put together here for you guys. And if you want to go back and listen to these interviews in their entirety, you can do that right here where you're listening as it is. Um, So anywhere you guys are listening to podcasts, you can go back and find those full length interviews. But otherwise we've, uh, we've done a little bit of heavy lifting for you and gave you guys some of the highlights from what, from what you want to hear. But you know, we're so lucky with all the amazing guests that we have on oral sessions that I'm sure If you're fans of these people, you're going to want to go back and hear more of their story here, more of who these people are and what makes them tick and what has led to their success, all that fun stuff. Um, I love what I get to do here and I love getting to chat with all these interesting and fascinating people. It's a hell of a time. And yeah, now we just get to do a little best stuff here on the weekend. So here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the best stuff from this week on Oral Sessions. What is it like, like sort of the creative process of going into these places like uh, like NWA, Ring of Honor, going back to Impact? What has that been like for you um, in contrast to your time that you've had in WWE? You know, in WWE, I felt like nobody had faith in me. I knew when I went in that I was hired for a reason, that they had faith in me going in. And then I felt like I lost their faith. And I don't know where along those two and a half years that that happened, or if that's just something that happens at that company, right? But sure, there's a case for both. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both, but all of a sudden I I got released and all these companies have come to me and been like, we trust you. We have faith in you. We love you. What do you want to do? And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not ready for that. But like, I, I am ready and, and I have Matt to remind me I'm ready. And I've, I've really kind of like put pen to paper and tried to figure out like, what is this new Chelsea going to be? what is the new hot mess going to be? You know, again, I don't want to go back to just what I was doing before and what was easy. Like I have a fresh start. And so I want to start over again and build the new version of the hot mess, but each company is different and each company wants something different out of me. So I'm, I'm figuring it out as I go. I mean, I will never forget, um, going out to wrestle and slammiversary and having Tommy dreamer say, you already did the work and now we all just want to go see you out there smiling and happy. And we all just want you to be in that ring. So don't even think about it. And Maria Canellis at ring of honor said the same thing. She's like, you look so stressed. We're like, so happy to have you here. We just want you to go out and do exactly what you've been able to do. Pick up a microphone and talk. And I'm just like, hold up. What? Why is everyone so nice to me? <laughs> do you guys know something? I don't know. Why is everyone being like that? I thought I was a failure. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> so it's such a funny thing to have that feeling of that sort of rattled insecurity that can happen when you start to not trust yourself as a performer anymore. And what a mind fuck is that? 
to step away from something like that and be like, okay, now I can finally do my thing. And then all of a sudden you start backpedaling a bit of like, fuck, if I fuck this up, then that's, that's totally on me. I talk this big game. I have all these things that I want to do, but once your confidence is shaken like that, it, it can be really hard to get your feet back underneath you to keep going. I mean, luckily for you, because you are so busy and you have so many opportunities, it's just kind of on to the next few and you can keep building and figuring it out as you go. But it is such an interesting thing that I feel like um, happens to a lot of people outside of uh, leaving WWE, not to talk shit or anything. Everyone freaks out about this. I'm not talking shit. I know the minute that you say anything, I mean, I've said so many great things since being released about WWE. And the minute that I say what the minute that I said in my ring of honor promo, it's like pitchfork and torches outside your house. Yes. It was an absolute witch hunt. I have been the exact same. Like I will always say my time at WWE was amazing. I would not have the things that I have today were it not for WWE, but there's good and there's bad with everything. It doesn't mean everything is perfect all the time. Yes. They were fantastic to me. I got a million different opportunities. It was great. It doesn't mean that you don't get like fucked with sometimes or you feel like, no, of course it's a giant company and no matter what you do, look at JLo. I'm sure she has bad days on tour and not only bad days, but just kind of like down times and up times. And that's the tough thing with wrestling is you're given everything at once and then it's all taken away and you kind of lose yourself in those moments of being the, you know, top guy and then being nothing. And I mean, you could see the struggle mentally I was going through. If you go and look and watch my NXT matches, the very first NXT match that I had on live television, I hit my finisher backwards. Well, like, what do you think that is of just like getting in your head too much micromanaging that you like forget who you are, that you second guess yourself? And that's really scary as an athlete to go out and do that because you take one slight misstep. Injuries happen. Bad things happen during that shit. That's exactly what it is, is like you work so hard to get this dream job and then you get there and you realize like, oh man, like this is not what I envisioned. This is not what I imagined. And sometimes you are like feeling a thousand percent and sometimes you feel this small. And on those days that you feel this small, that affects every single bit of you. And when I went out there for that day, I didn't believe in myself. I felt like nobody believed in me. I felt like I had so much to prove. And I forgot about the list of accomplishments that I, you know, and the reason I was there, which is I already proved myself. And I hit a finisher that I have been doing at that time. I had been doing it for six years. That's crazy. Yeah. It it really proves like the pressure that is on every single one of these people. And I wish that Twitter knew that for sure. And you know what the thing is, even us saying this, I'm sure it's going to be like headlines. They were said this and this and this. It's like, no, but it's like, this is how it is sometimes. You know, I always go back to my experience of, of doing commentary. I went out there and I was like, okay, I enjoy this. I actually feel like this should be a thing that I should be great at. This should be my spot. I earned this spot in this chair. And as soon as I started to feel that people weren't believing in me anymore and that my confidence started to shake, I didn't know what I was doing anymore. I was like, do I know how to do this? Do I know how to be on television right now? What the fuck am I doing? And you lose your like everything that made you special, your comedic timing or your wit. It's gone. It gets wiped away from you. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, wait, your instincts get away from you. And that's such a scary thing. Like we rely on our instincts so much as performers to like be able to 
pivot and improv and whatever. And once that's gone, you're like, oh God, what, what do I do with my hands? Yes. <laughs> it is such a mind fuck. And there's, you know, I was talking to someone recently about the, the sweetest spot when you're working is when you don't give a fuck. Like you're just doing the thing that you want to do. Your confidence is at a high. You don't care what everyone else around you is thinking. And those days are not consistent, unfortunately. At least they're not for me. Uh, And yeah, it's like trying to, you wish you could just bottle that and keep it. I think back to my time at Impact um, when I was first there and I was a hot mess and I was champion and all this stuff. And it's funny, at the time, I just took it for granted. I thought that's how wrestling was. I was carefree. I was always happy. I never thought about my position in the company or what people thought about me or anything because I didn't Mm -hmm. give a shit. I was going out there and being a drunk bride, (laughs) wrestling with no shoes on. Nobody ever critiqued me. Nobody like there was no like negative juju Mm -hmm. around me. And I was so naive to think that that's what wrestling was. That wasn't what it was. I was just in a time in my life where I didn't give a fuck. And in a great way. Yeah. In a really, really positive way. It's like when you say like not giving a fuck or not giving a shit about something, it's not a matter of not wanting to put in the work. It's just being able to be in that moment and be present and just do the thing that you know that you're good at. Yeah. Do it with such ease and so carefree. Where did the concept for the hot mess come from? We had no idea that's the direction it was going to go in. We knew that the big blow off was going to be that I got left at the altar. And the funny thing is, is that um, (laughs) this is and this is so impact that they didn't think about the fact that they gave us bottles of champagne that were bottles of real champagne. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. So me and I think it was like Mike Bennett at the time and maybe Spud, we were up there. I had got left at the altar and they had all the bottles of champagne. So they kept passing them to me. By the time the segment was over, it was really long. It was like 25 minutes. By the time the segment was over, I had drank like two bottles of champagne by myself. Oh my God. Just like slurring, makeup smeared. Yeah. So (laughs) then I go to the back and they're like, let's just, you know, we're done. We're all clapping. We're done. We're done for the week. Um, because we record impact in chunks of like four to six weeks. So we were done for taping and that was like the big blow off for all of us. So they told me like, just quickly film like um, a little pre-tape post segment thing. And I was like, what? Like, no, I don't want it. But they're like, come on, just quickly do it. It'll be fun. Like, okay. So I sat down in the makeup room and they wanted me on the ground. They told me to um, mess up my hair. And then Dutch Mantel. Love Dutch. Love Dutch. Love him. And like, oh, what a guy. He always really loved the character. So he's like, I want to produce this. So (laughs) I would love to see him producing. Yeah. He's like, put your makeup on all over. And I was like, no, what? Like, I'm supposed to be like sexy and cute. He's like, just mess it up. So I was like, okay. And I smeared my makeup. I'm like, is this okay? Is this better? He's like, that's perfect. Press record. And he was like, sing something. I'm like, I don't sing. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I sang the sun will come out tomorrow. My hair was messed up. My makeup was messed up and I was drunk. So I was kind of actually crying. I never thought about it again until it aired like six weeks later. I was single at the time. So I did not care about like, what anybody thought like at all what anybody thought so i um came back to tapings seven weeks later and i was like guys we need to stay in the dress and they were like 100 percent. all they said was do it crazier than you did last you know yesterday <laughs> i made the dress dirtier as the weeks went on i cut the dress it got shorter and shorter everyone gave me ideas of what to incorporate i 
would come out with a champagne bottle. I would come out with a shoe. The minute I put that dress on, I felt drunk and happy. I mean, I would just bring it around the house. Shit. Keep that party alive. Oh, I've got it. Oh, that I know exactly (laughs) where that dress is. I love that. Leave it to Dirty Dutch to pull it all together. Right. I mean, you think of the inner workings of that man's mind and everything he has seen and done through his career. He's the best. I miss that guy so much. He's one of a kind and we will forever have this bond. Who do you want to work with? What is left on this vision board of things that you want to do as you are like free and clear to do whatever the hell you want? Of course, I want Impact to give me the chance to take the knockouts championship off of Deanna, especially because it's my best friend. I want to work her. And of course, I want to go to AEW and and work Brit. And uh, that's obviously going to forever be on my to-do list, those two things. Um, And then aside from that, like, I really, truly want to step back from wrestling and focus on what's going to bring me happiness for the rest of my life. Because, you know, as a female, um, we want families and, and we want something that our body can actually do for the rest of our lives. And wrestling ain't it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's funny. I was I just did an interview where I was talking about this. And I mean, obviously, athletically, it's a little bit different. Of I don't, I don't want to use the term shelf life for this, but as an athlete, you can only go as far as your body will take you, of course. Um, But just in terms of like creating another part of your career and things that you can do, you can talk all damn day long. Exactly. I'm never going to lose my voice. (laughs) Knock on wood. Shit. Let's hope not. But there is something so nice about that. I mean, even me being home right now with, with my baby, it's cool that like, I can pop upstairs. I record the show. My mom's downstairs with the baby right now because John's on the road. And You just get to keep working and keep carving out your little corner of the universe that you want to work with and make shit come together. It's it's such a cool time. And I think COVID really kind of got us there, too, to get those like creative juices flowing of like, okay, what else can I do outside of this that I can do from home? I don't have to be in a studio. And I I mean, I do have a whole team working on the show. Bless them. With COVID, you know, I had a lot of time to to prepare for this, especially seeing Matt being released a year before me. Um, I that really got the wheels turning, and then being released and having the ninety days. One thing that people forget about me is that I am Canadian, so this is not an easy transition for me either. I can't just jump into another career or anything like I. I really have to think about that because my visa only allows me to wrestle. Going back to working with Deanna and Britt, uh, you want to work with two of your best friends. What is it like uh, collaborating with them and getting on the same page? Do you guys all instantly gel or do you guys butt heads on things? How does that go? We all gelled because we all kind of started coming up at the same time. And it's funny, we were all in totally like different areas. You know, Britt was like in Pittsburgh and um, Dee was in New Jersey and I was in Canada. But for some reason, we all were connecting through social media and we just like instantly hit it off. And we instantly tried to use each other to like, and the matches that we had to like elevate ourselves. And I think like there was the girls that came before us that were already on shimmer. And then there's kind of our little like group of girls that came up together. And now there's like the new girls that are on the indies and coming into WWE and stuff like that. We hit it off immediately. And then we stuck together and we all just knew our common goal was that we wanted to get to WWE. So we all pushed each other to get those tryouts and to have the best matches and checked in with each other and, and 
hung out and stayed at each other's houses when we needed it. And it's just always worked like that. And it's rare, but I found that group of girls. And then on the other side of things, I found myself, Rosemary, Allie and um, Sienna or Alice and Kay. Like that's another group of girls that they're just like the best humans in the whole world. And we talk every day and I love them. It's the best. Having good girlfriend relationships is the shit. When you strike gold and you've got like that great friendship, there's nothing better than that. Love a good girl hang. Especially in wrestling. Like I have my girl gang from Canada that I grew up with that will never go anywhere. And we see each other every Christmas. And there's about eight of us best friends. That's that. Right. Like I know that I have them. But the minute I left, it was like I felt so alone in this wrestling world, especially being a Canadian and and having to travel all the time. And I was just kind of like felt a little lost. Like I felt like the only person in Canada that was like, I'm going to WWE and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) And I know that that probably annoyed people. And that's why I was alone. But until I met these girls with the common goals, I was just kind of floundering. And once I found them, it's like, oh, okay, there are people like me that want to succeed and want to help each other. Yeah. It's funny how much that like, if you have like outlandish big goals like that, that it freaks people out and they're like, okay, people can check out really quickly on that. That just don't get that vision or have that same mindset for themselves. It's a trip. Or if they are a big fish in a little pond, I've always wanted to be a little fish in like the biggest pond I can find. I don't mind that. It's very scary, but like, that's just what I want to keep, you know, jumping to a big, you got to grow. The goldfish only stays as big as the little bowl that you put it in. Exactly. Um, All right, girl, thank you so much for joining me here on Oral Sessions. I can't wait to see you popping up on every single promotion that absolutely exists and keeping this podcast world alive. You're going to knock it out of the park, clearly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks for for guest hosting while I was having a baby. Um, Anytime. I'll brush up my guest hosting skills whenever you need them. Perfect. What's going on in your world right now? What's happening? Right now I'm getting ready. Tomorrow I leave for work. And this week is actually the first week of Rampage, which is kind of exciting. Do you have any kind of preconceived notions about what we should expect for Rampage? In some way, I'm not sure how because Dynamite's already so cool. I feel like it might be even cooler, whatever that means to you. But um, I don't know. I, I'm really excited to see. It's uh, you know, I think there will be a lot of similarities, but I think we're going to kind of try and step it up. Uh, as well. So I don't know. I'm curious to see. Yeah. I mean, with so many different wrestling shows out there right now, it is kind of interesting to be like, Hey, how is this going to be different? What's going to be brought to the table? It's going to be different wrestlers, different cast and crew. Uh, yeah. I have no idea what to expect for it either. I'm excited. Um, as, 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 uh, AEW, you guys just keep like expanding and expanding. Is it hard to kind of keep up with everything that's happening? You guys are just like growing like crazy. You know, it feels kind of wild. I'm I'm glad I got in when I did. Um, I'm glad I've been there kind of since the beginning. You, you know, the past year was like so strange with everything that went on. And um, I feel like kind of since people have been back for the last couple of months, everything's kind of just exploded. And there's all this new growth uh, after kind of like a weird year. So it just feels really cool. And it feels like an exciting time to be, you know, not only a part of this, but a part of wrestling as a whole. What is sort of like the perspective of everybody like watching now as the free agent market continues to expand and all of these new names become available? And as much as there are different places for everyone to go wrestle, AEW, of course, is sort of the hot spot for everybody to want to gravitate towards now. 
you know, it feels like almost every week there's something new or someone new popping up and it, um, you know, it's just, it's really a wild, wild time. And I feel like, you know, years from now, we'll look back at this. It's kind of just a crazy time, but I think it's exciting because every new person kind of opens up a whole new book of opportunities. And I think it's just, I don't know. It's, it's cool to be a part of it. Is there anyone that you are dying to work with either that is already at AEW or who could potentially wind up there? I, um, I mean, all the big names, I would say um, that those are guys that I used to watch. And that, that, that would just be super cool for me. My uh, my best friend, actually, uh, his name is Jake Atlas. He just got laid off this last round of layoffs. And, you know, so far, I've had some of my best matches, uh, my career with him, a lot of those being on the indies. So I think for me, it'd be cool to kind of be able to do that again on a bigger stage, maybe. So city, fingers crossed. Yeah, see if that door is open and uh, create some space for some new names and new faces to pop up there. That would be cool. What has it been like with you uh, working with Christian? One of the absolute best to ever lace up a pair of boots and for him to be able to like bestow his knowledge from everything he's done, the business of wrestling to his ring awareness to how he puts matches together. What's that like for you? You know, that kind of just came about kind of organically. That was not really in the books, I don't think. You know, we were both a part of this battle royal at Double or Nothing. And I think that was kind of just supposed to be where it ended. And then we kind of just had this cool kind of connection. I felt, I don't know, I feel some weird connection to him. And he he's a really cool guy. Um, he's a quiet guy, which, you know, when he first came around, he didn't really say a lot. And I wasn't really sure what, what he thought of the whole thing. He can be a hard guy to read sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not always the most talkative guy either. So I, I got that. Um, but over time, he's kind of opened up and we've started talking more. And now that we've kind of been put together. It's just it's really cool because he 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 kind of has all the pieces I feel like I'm missing as a wrestler, like in terms of the style that I've kind of tried to emulate is a lot more kind of new school and all about crazy stuff and moves and all that, which I love. I'm all about that. But I feel like more with as you're saying, how he puts his matches together and just the way he thinks about things is so different than kind of everyone in my age range or experience level. So that it's, it's cool to be able to get that from him and kind of pair it with what I'm doing. Yeah. To like pick and pick apart some of the stuff that he works with and like add it into your whole artillery. Yeah. I mean, when you look back at that battle Royal, that really sort of felt like one of those passing of the torch kind of moments. You could see that show of respect between the two of you guys, but also, I mean, you look at somebody like Christian coming into AAW and it seems like that moment is sort of the purpose of having somebody like Christian in AEW to kind of take the new upcoming guys and lead them along the way to put them on the right path. You could feel that as a fan watching that. That felt, I, I would say magical. That felt magical for me. You know, as I said, after kind of a year of just such a weird time, I feel looking back at it, we're wrestling <laughs> in a building with nobody in it, which is so kind of counterintuitive to what wrestling is. And then for that to kind of be the first time back in front of a full crowd, it, it felt really cool. And, you know, to have him be a part of that. And then, as you said, kind of pass the torch in a way felt really special. And I think that's one thing AW has done really well with kind of some of the older guys, um, pairing them up with younger guys. You know, like you have Darby and Sting, for example. And I think uh, Chris Jericho's really taking Sammy under his wing. And it, I don't know. It just feels cool. It's kind of like a little buddy program or whatever. But it's, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the way that it should be, right? It's like as you prepare the next crop of guys coming up. Uh, do, does this new crop, I mean, from from yourself, from Sammy to MJF to Darby, these guys that are coming up, do you guys sort of feel that pressure now of like you guys are to step into that spotlight and really take wrestling by its proverbial balls? Yeah, I mean, at times I feel it more than others. I mean, I feel like for me, it's worked out really well the way it's all gone. You know, we haven't just been thrown to the wolves right away. And it's like, all right, it's you guys. We've, we've been able to learn from these guys who've been around a lot longer than us. And, you know, it's kind of a slow build, but I, I think it's cool. Which is the way that it should be. I mean, you know, the way that I've been able to witness things sort of firsthand is sometimes people get thrust into the spotlight when maybe they're not ready. And it's so hard to bounce back from that. And you see the fickleness of what we can get from like wrestling fans. And they are passionate about, they're wrestling. And if they don't get what they want or somebody kind of falls flat on their face, it sucks for that person, especially when you can see their star just constantly on the ascend. And then it kind of seems like they can fall on their face and it's hard to kind of get your feet back under you again. I'm really glad. Kind of, I feel like I've had this kind of slow burn, just this kind of constant moving up and nothing too crazy right off the bat. Like even when I look at my stuff from a year ago, I feel like I'm such a different wrestler and kind of performer than I was even a year ago. So I'm glad to you know, be able to grow slowly. And <laughs> Sorry, my mom walked in here. She wanted to see you. She's like, he's so cute. She just whispered that to me. You can see me? You got to talk to the mic if you want to say oh, hi, hi to him. Hi. Hi, how are you? You were so adorable. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> this is what happens when you work from home. Moms pop in, babies are crying. Oh. Well, here he is. This is Jack. Oh. Hi. All right, hit the bricks. Okay. Hit the bricks, sister. <laughs> She's like, can I come up and say hi to him? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess if, if you feel compelled, come on in and do it. <laughs> uh, how is it kind of just getting ready for TV for you guys? I mean, you came in from, you know, working the Indies to signing to AEW pretty quickly to getting used to being on TV and finding those hard cams and learning those shots. Does, has anyone kind of taken you under their wing to, to figure that stuff all out? I feel like it's really been a team effort. I feel like everyone there kind of has everyone's best interest in mind. Um, I meant to text him the other day, but Billy Gunn. What a guy. Yes. <laughs> I just went to an indie show, and I think the last time I'd been at an indie show was before AEW started. And it, it was really cool to kind of feel that energy again, but it, it felt so different to me now being there after the two or so years. And I remember when I got there, Billy Gunn was a guy who was always, he was kind of trying to teach me that TV style and how things work here. And I remember just coming in right off the Indies and being like, I want to do everything I know how to do and show everyone what I can do right off the bat. And he was always saying, you don't have to do that. And, you know, I think at that time I was so excited and eager that I couldn't, I couldn't really take that in. But, but, you know, now two years later, I can I kind of see what he's talking about. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is something different. Kind of like pace yourself a little bit, keep some stuff, keep some aces up your sleeve a little bit. Right. Yeah. So now, um, you know, I, I used to dread having to work with Billy because he was always saying, don't do all this stuff. And I was like, dude, that's what I'm here to do. But, you know, that's just one example. There have been a ton of people like that kind of just slowly nudging me in the right direction. What is your relationship like with Tony? I had two jobs before AEW. They were fast food jobs. Oh, wait, where did you work? What were they? I worked at a Baja Fresh. Okay. And an El Pollo Loco. But you didn't have to um, wear like the, the chicken suit like Brad Pitt? I would have liked that. I was a... Uh, I was my high school mascot, so I think maybe I could. You were your high school mascot. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was the mascot? 
it was a panther with a big head, a big panther head. Uh, it was super hot in there. I actually did that because my dad was his high school mascot. And I don't know how, but the opportunity came about for someone to be the mascot. And I thought, that's kind of neat. And I liked that no one could see it was me, but like me and my friends knew it was me. Um, so I did that for a year and it was pretty cool. Did that kind of help you get out of like, I don't know if you were ever like in a shell, but did that help you get out of a shell? Cause you'd be like, Oh, I can like perform and like do some crazy shit with no one really knowing who it is. Yeah. I kind of dug that. Like no one can see it's me. So I can kind of do whatever I want. Uh, kind of take some pressure off. What was your dad's mascot? What was he? His was like, it was like a Cardinal kind of thing. Um, yeah, some bird with a big beak on it and all that. So I always wanted to do that at my school because I figured that's like, that's a fun kind of gig. Yeah. What a way to just like get to act a fool, throw in a costume and like be ridiculous or to be like, like an NBA mascot or something like that. Like that's a sweet gig. It was all girls on the cheerleading team, I remember. And I, uh, I went up to the lady in charge and I was like, can I be the mascot? Like, what's the deal with that? And she's like, well, you're going to have to come and like learn the choreography and all that. And like, I can't dance to save my life. And I, I remember saying, I was like, what if right here on the concrete, I can do a backflip? Can I have it? And I actually <laughs> didn't really know how to do a backflip yeah. that well back then. Um, and somehow Stuck luckily it. I did it without killing myself. But yeah, <laughs> sort of. But uh, That's yeah, great. Oh my God. What a fun story. What is it like going, uh, like growing up in LA? I feel like there can be such a preconceived notion about what it's like. Well, not only growing up in LA, but growing up with a famous father in Los Angeles. I mean, that's like a whole other dynamic, right? You know, I think people have a lot of ideas what they think it's like. Maybe for other people with famous parents, it's different. My dad was like very, very like kind of the least famous seeming famous person you've ever met. He was like very private. I would tell you story. He he would like come watch me wrestle and he'd like wear like a Rey Mysterio mask and a hood and all. And like, that was just kind of his time. He didn't really want to be noticed a lot. So I felt we kind of had just a very like, I guess private, I don't know, kind of low key in a way upbringing. I don't know. It just felt regular to me. Were you like always aware that your dad was famous or did it not really register for a while? Yeah. Um, from like other people more, like I'd have my teachers tell me about it and stuff. And then, you know, he'd get asked for pictures and all that. Um, but you know, in the time that I was with, like when we'd be together, he never, he kind of just left work at work. And that was just kind of a separate part of his life. How much of that do you think that you picked up? Cause I mean, I mean, not that I've been around you too, too much, but you are a pretty low key dude as well. Like you just kind of keep to yourself. You're soft spoken. Like, is that something that you picked up from your dad? I think it is. And I think I kind of didn't necessarily realize that about myself so much before, but now, uh, you know, sometimes I see it and I, I recognize what I'm doing as kind of how he was a little bit. So I, I think that's probably where that comes from. What other things are you looking to accomplish in wrestling? I mean, you're so early on in your career, you're already on the right path. The fans love you. You're signed to AEW. Things are going great. How do you see your career going from here? You know, I feel like I'd like to kind of continue on the same sort of path I've been on. Uh, I feel like in terms of the stuff in the ring, I feel like I've gotten a lot better than the beginning. And I think a lot of that is working, obviously, with people who are a lot better. And that's kind of cool to feel them like mold you and kind of shape you and help you. The one I kind of set, got around a little to set in my mind to is the promo cutting. I hate it. It's something that I like never wanted to do. And I kind of made a point not to do it. 
and somehow I got by without it. And now when I have to do it, I like when they tell me I have to do it, I want to run away and hide somewhere. Mm, that's such a bad feeling. Yeah, because it's just so not my style, kind of. That's not the way I, I don't know. It's just not my thing. But I, you know, I think it's getting to the point where I, at some point got to kind of buckle down and get to it. So got to get that baby face promo, babe. At some point coming soon, I guess I'll get on that. Would you ever want to have a manager that could be your mouthpiece? Maybe. I, it's cool because right now Christian actually has kind of taken it over and I just got to sit there and look pretty and let him do it. <laughs> as much as I hate it and I really don't like it, I, I know that once I get it, it'll feel good to have kind of overcome that and done it. I guess I'm looking forward to that part when it's over. What is it about the promos that you don't like? Is it like getting like caught in the weeds of what you want to say or? For me in the beginning, I made a point to like really not do them because I wanted people to focus only on what I was doing in the ring. You know, I feel like coming up a lot of it too. I want, I wanted to really kind of stay separate from, from my dad pretty much. And that whole thing. Uh, and I didn't want people knowing about that. And people had asked me to say things about, it and I was just like, I just want you to watch what I'm doing. And so I, I really like jungle boy. Let me not talk and just wrestle. And I was like, just watch that. Cause that's, that's what I want to do. For me, it's also just, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of soft-spoken in a lot of ways. A lot of wrestling promo stuff kind of like embarrasses me. The way it's like so over the top and like overacting. It's like, like when I see that, I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't do that if you paid me money, which they do. I just can't. So I feel like I go the other way and I, I try and just be kind of quiet and not so. But then I feel like that comes across a lot of times. Like I don't really care. I'm not into it, which is not the case. It's just I don't feel comfortable doing it. I've been talking to Tony and I think we're kind of coming up with some ways that I'm going to kind of ease into it a little bit. So we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I just had Sammy Zayn on the show and we were talking about like the authenticity of a wrestler. And that's part of that too. It's like finding the thing that feels true to you. That's not having to be this larger than life. And again, as wrestling's constantly changing and growing, like you can create this new path, you know, not to kiss up or whatever, but uh, John, for example, I really like the way when he does it, it's like, He's, he's just talking. I mean, he fires it up here and there, but it's not like a big over-the-top performance. Like, he's just being how he is. Um, Taz, for example, who, who's a bit more upbeat, but that's just the way he is. And for me to see, it's cool. It's like, oh, wow, that's like, that's real. That's how Taz is. So I think I got to just, I don't know. I get, I've cut less than like 10 promos in my life, and most of them have been on TV in some form or another, so I'm like freaking out all the time. <laughs> but I think. As I get more comfortable with it, it'll become easier. And yeah, of course. I mean, it's just getting those reps in. And I think once you figure out exactly like what your character says, how Jungle Boy talks, it's hard to figure that shit out. And without somebody helping you out, like that can be another one of those things. As much as somebody can be a great wrestler, you have to add in this these other layers and add more things to your character. And yeah, it's, it's not easy to do, but that's what makes you guys better than other people that can't do those things. So you'll get there 100%. Yeah. At some point, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, thank you for hanging out with me. It was great to have a little chat with you. Yeah, of course. Uh, and looking forward to more things that jungle boy is going to have in his career. Love life is going well. Wrestling is going well. So all things are coming up Jack Perry right now. And I could not be happier for you. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'll see you soon. All right. 
Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on this special edition of the Best of for Oral Sessions. We just mash up the best from the week, let you guys get the little highlights. You can go back and listen to the full-length episodes should you choose to do so. I highly recommend it because there's some good stuff in there. It's really hard to cut these down because these chats can be so great. We, we, we really do have the best guests come on here and hang out. And uh, I love being able to do that here on the show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You can go back and listen to more of the episodes. You can also watch these interviews on our YouTube page. You can just search Renee Paquette, search for the volume network, and you'll be able to find all the things. We've got the short clips. We've got the full length interviews. Find them all on there. Like, subscribe, share, turn on the notifications, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys next time on Oral Sessions. Oral Sessions.